politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen who still care about our own country. If you do care about Americans first, this is your place to go. Daniel Horowitz here back in the house at CR Podcast, Blaze Media. It's Tuesday, March 8th, and this is the week where we reach the inflection point. Everything depends on this omnibus bill. Don't let Republicans lie to you that they don't have the leverage to block it. You only need 41 seats. Technically, with one Democrat senator out, they actually have a majority in the Senate. Even if they, even if they don't control the floor, they certainly have one to block. And this is the budget where they're going to fund the war on American energy, the war on our bodies with COVID fascism, the war on our border. Sending, and not only are they going to do that, they're going to send more money to Ukraine. Biden asked for $10 billion. Republicans want $12 billion. So now it's 12 Another 15 to $22.5 billion. They're negotiating the exact number for Pfizer and Big Pharma to continue this racket. Continue the mandates. And Republicans' only concern is Biden's not doing enough to create a needless war that harms American consumers, has no other option but drawing us into war at some point. No good outcome is going to get more people killed. It's the worst of all things. This is the time where those of you who are mature enough to understand the art of politics get my thesis that having a Republican Party is actually worse than nothing. It's worse than nothing. You know, I didn't want to get distracted with Ukraine and this stuff. But the problem is just like with COVID two years ago, exactly two years ago, when it distracted us from the issues of that time, it became the issue a self-fulfilling prophecy because we didn't have a party to nip it in the bud and deal with it properly. This becomes the issue. And now we have an energy crisis on our hands because of what they're doing. And because Republicans and the phony dirtbag conservative media actually fueling it even worse. Here we are. So we have to cover both because they're all part of it. But all of these issues can and should be dealt with in the budget bill. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about we're not going to allow them to get away from the premeditated genocide they committed with the shots, with the virus, with blocking of treatment. And then later today, we're going to have on one of the truckers from the convoy. They're actually gathered in Hagerstown, Maryland, my state, right uh, about an hour away from where I am. And I want to make sure we give them voice and see what we can do to help the truckers and and keep this movement alive, a new workers movement, uh, patriotic movement. This is what we always have to be doing, thinking of strategies, thinking of new frontiers, which is what we did yesterday. I appreciate your comments on my various different ideas on how to run as independent this is what we have to do. So we're going to get to all of this today. Our first sponsor is Bambi. Folks, if you're a small business owner with the price of food and fuel going up the wazoo, and we're going to talk about what we can do about that in the coming days, one thing you can do is stop paying too much on HR compliance. HR can kill you. It either kills your business or you need to hire an HR rep for about $70,000. Bambi, and that's spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, they create a specifically tailor-made HR policy to your business with a dedicated HR manager for just 99 bucks a month, 1200 a year. Your dedicated HR manager manager is available by phone, email, real-time chat. Um, from onboarding to terminations, they customize your policies to fit your business. It's month-to-month, no hidden fees, cancel anytime. Folks, go to Bambi.com slash conservative right now. Schedule a free audit. Okay, It's a free HR audit. See what they can do for you. It's so much return, so little risk, 99 bucks a month. You did not start your business because you wanted to spend time on stupid government HR compliance. Go to Bambi.com slash conservative. That's BAM to the B, B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash conservative. Okay, so just real briefly, as always, we'll start off with what's going on. As I predicted, this is the new covid they're throwing us into oncoming traffic, throwing us into an aimless war with no good results, demonizing Rush, not just Russia, but Russians to an, a very disturbing extent. You know, we care about Ukrainian 
citizens, you know, the average Joe, even though I think the government's corrupt, but likewise, they're no more virtuous than the average Russian. Russians are actually standing up and fighting their government. They don't want this. And we're, we're choking them off. John Cornyn is talking about cutting off all visas to Russia Russians when they refuse to do this uh, to any of the Islamic countries. So Biden, as I predicted, he's going full bore, cutting off Russian oil without any parallel commitment to juice up our own production pipelines, deregulation, more drilling, more exporting, um, oil, uh, liquid, uh, liquefied natural gas, coal-fired power plants, all that. He's continuing to declare war on that. In addition, he's going to go to Venezuela and Iran and juice up the Iran deal so if this is all about morality, putting morality over consumers, oh, you know, we can, we got to, you got to feel the pain because it's immoral to import Russian oil. Oh, but we can import from Iran. But the point is, all of this is coming to a head. Democrats need Republican votes to get the budget through, to get um, the embargo through on, on, on Russia, to get the $12 billion in funding for Ukraine through. If they don't want to fight on the mandates, COVID fascism, medical freedom, and the border. At a very minimum, we're told that all Republicans do care about drilling. They claim to all support that. You know, the business interests claim to support that. Why won't they at least stand for that? And I'll tell you because we can't have a government shutdown. We need a government shut. It's not just it's worth fighting even despite the risk of a government shutdown, actually, we need to shut down this immoral government. We need an inflection moment in the society to get all of this on the table. The immorality of, of what we're doing backwards on Russia and Ukraine and energy policy, backwards what we're doing on medical freedom, backwards what we're doing on the border and crime. We need to bring this to a head and we need to push this to a national divorce. But Republicans are on the other side. But this is what's happening. This is what we're trying to draw attention to. The only issue Republicans have is that we're not spending enough money quickly enough. And folks, do you understand that we could crush the left once and for all on a budget fight? Biden now, there's a, a um, IBD tip poll, 27% approval rating. And in the states where most Republicans are from, it's, it's under 20, 15% approval rating. And yet they're going to give in to him. It's unbelievable. Truly disgusting. So it all gets back to the budget bill. It's not just a matter of, oh, we're going to withhold the budget until you give us what we want on energy. It's that his whole thing is, I'm going to block Russian oil. Well, you can't do that until you have a parallel ability to ramp up your own. But they don't care. Both parties are all in on this. If this doesn't demonstrate to you that Republicans are just as evil and corrupt as Democrats, you'll never get it. But I wanted to get to the premeditated murder. Premeditated murder. You know, Pfizer has, the FDA has dumped a bunch of documents from Pfizer and the Pfizer approval process through a FOIA request from attorney Aaron Siri. And, you know, you, you, I'm sure you've heard this already, but, like, we're used to it. We're desensitized. It turns out Pfizer knew within the first few months of 1,223 reported deaths. These were voluntary reporting. They, in other words, they did not have a system in place to monitor all the deaths. This is what was reported to them. Over 1,200 fatalities and several thousand categories of adverse events. And they were allowed to proceed with this by our government, not just to get it approved, but to get it distributed, endorsed, funded by government and marketed like no product has ever been marketed in the history of the universe and then eventually mandated to destroy jobs, to destroy lives. There is no greater scandal than what they've done to our bodies. Not a peep from anyone on this. Pfizer to this day is getting away with incomplete research. No preliminary safety studies. 
simultaneously merging phases one, two, and three ongoing even after the authorization was granted. Insufficient safety info. Unlimited authorizations for untested subpopulations. Untested subpopulations, immunocompromised pregnant women, and mandates too, by the way. Escaped regulatory oversight, escaped human subjects, review controls, full FDA approval based on incomplete studies and interim analysis data. And there's nothing. Republicans don't care. Now, also, there's another document you might have seen, a Pfizer letter from May 6, 2021, transferring $2.8 million to the Treasury. It's a Drug User Fee Act payment. So basically, if you give the FDA a certain amount of money, they'll guarantee you a date that they'll get back to you by. That we're either gonna we're gonna give you a, a fina- you know approval or disapproval with finality by that date. Why did they need that money if Pfizer was already getting the approval? Right, that, that, that wasn't needed in this case. It was a clear bribe, premeditated murder premeditated murder there are i don't have time given all the geopolitical stuff going on and all the political strategies and primary races we want to get into to to continue every day with really nitty-gritty and all the studies but there are so many things going on so much literature now being published with uh adverse events it's it's truly disgusting truly truly disgusting now one of the ways they get away with this is because big tech and big government work together to silence dissenting voices. Let's say you're a proud gun owner and want to talk on social media about the right to bear arms. You want to talk about medical freedom. You want to talk about maybe Ukraine is not the greatest thing since sliced bread. Well, chances are your post will be flagged by a content moderator. And you end up being put on some government watch list. To fight back against this, make sure anything you're using to, to use the computer, to use the internet, your your phone, your iPad, your your you know laptop, desktop. I recommend ExpressVPN. Unlike a cloth mask, it is actually a VPN mask that makes your IP address anonymous and encrypts a hundred percent of my internet data. Um, I can't believe it took me so long to get into this, but now I have it on all of my devices with one click of a button. You can get the top-rated VPN by Business Insider. Um, and again, it's so easy to use. So even someone who's uh, technologically illiterate like myself, I was able to do it, uh, you know, so quickly with one tap of the button. Again, it protects all your devices. Stop letting big tech and big government censor and track your data. Defend your rights. Protect yourself at expressvpn.com/conservative. That's e x p r e s s v p n.com/conservatives. Get three months free three months free on your sign up it's expressvpn.com slash conservative you know there's a spanish study out um it's a population-based observation study Six hundred thousand school children three to 11 years old they found quote mask mandates in schools were not associated with lower SARS-CoV-2 incidence of transmission suggesting that this intervention was not effective so now, after they destroyed the lives, the speech and language development, the emotional health, the mental health, the physical health of children for two freaking years, it was all a lie. And you're going to trust these guys that they're right on the Russia-Ukraine conflict, and they're going to do the right things, transferring God knows the amount of weapons, getting us into a war with a nuclear power for nothing, and cutting off our energy? Are you kidding We need a revolution. Our government is more corrupt than Putin. And I'm no Putin fan. I was for going after him when it was cool. Strong missile defense. I've, I used to write articles on that. We have a rotting nuclear triad and nuclear capa- nuclear defense and offense. Tactical nukes. We, we pissed it away on giving money to Ukrainians and Afghanis. And instead of... You know, where the real threat is, the China and Russia, the nuclear deterrent, we've pissed it away. We enriched them with our Iran deal. We enriched them by cutting off our own oil supply, coal supply, natural gas supply. So, yeah, I mean, don't lecture me about Putin, but our government is more corrupt. They're committing premeditated murder. Let's go into some other studies we have today. 
some other items I want to get to with the premeditated murder. There's a study out on adverse events from the AstraZeneca vaccine in the country of Togo in Africa. The title is Prevalence of Severe Adverse Events Among Health Professionals After Receiving the First Dose of the Chad Oxalaka, whatever, it's the AstraZeneca vax in Togo, March 2021. Total of 1,639 healthcare professionals were enrolled. At least one adverse event was reported among 71.6% of participants. Now, obviously, a lot of that was injection site pain, um, muscle aches. 68% had headaches. 47.5% had fever. Again, this is what most people get from COVID. An increased libido was reported in 3% of participants. 18.2% were unable to go to work the day after vaccination. This is totally normal, right? 10.5% consulted a medical doctor, and 1% were hospitalized. 1% were hospitalized. The severe adverse event prevalence was 23.8%. Younger people and females were more associated with severe adverse events. Again, this is a pattern we're seeing in a lot of data points. It's unclear why it would be more younger people. Is it that we're noticing it more or is it for real and and women? We saw it with Pfizer's own reporting. We saw it with the Israeli um, health ministry. Again, what's intellectually satisfying, at least as horrific as this is, is that these data points are all grouping around the same points. 1% hospitalized. So we gave it to almost every adult in this country, tons of kids too. Do you know how insane that is? And again, you have all these, NPR reported it, hospitals mysteriously full of people, and blood clotting was one of the things they mentioned. So that's the one half of the genocide. But the other way they got the genocide is blocking treatments. Similar thing here. Commit us to a war on the, you know, a wrong war at the wrong time in the wrong way. Cut off Russian oil, but then block our ability to properly deal with the problem that these SOBs created. Similar thing. Because they wanted a certain avenue. Here it's the Green New Deal and to destroy our economy. In the case of the virus, it was to get the bioweapon injections in us. They cut off alternative treatments. I might have mentioned this one other time, but you know we've talked a lot about early treatments, mid-level treatments, and ivermectin even has a certain degree of effectiveness even very late. Several other promising things. But there's... I just want to show you the, the, the degree of genocide juxtaposed to what they have approved. The dangerous, ineffective, expensive things they not just approve, but endorse, buy for billions of dollars, promote, and in some cases mandate to the things that are off patent, have been around, established safety profile, and have such better mechanisms of action. The brand name is Zysami, Z-Y-E-S-M, no, Z-Y-E-S-A-M-I. I I knew it by the off-patent avipdadil, A-V-I-P D, uh, no, T-A-D-I-L, avipdadil, avipdadil. Fauci knew about this and even said this at a White House briefing a year ago. This is the only known drug that, that, that seems to have a very direct mechanism of action. It's actually on label. For pulmonary inflammation, COPD, ARDS, directly dealing with the problems of the cytokine storm. And it was known we could have prevented at a minimum the entire Delta death. And yet to this day, it hasn't been approved. Senator Ron Johnson has sent a letter to FDA and NIAID, that's Fauci's agency under NIH, uh, National uh, whatever Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, demanding to know why they have refused to give them the company submitting it as NRX Pharmaceuticals and EUA 
for aviptadil. I'm going to discuss this, and you're going to understand the premeditated murder. Again, it's not one or two drugs. It's tons of them. And I want you to understand that this is the tip of the iceberg. Because this is just what we have with the little we have. Imagine if a fraction of the trillions of dollars we flushed in direct spending, the trillions in lost economic activity, the trillions in mental and physical costs, and the approaching a million lives lost, several, you know, what, like six million hospitalized, you know, a good number of them messed up for life that could have been prevented had we just put a modicum of that research into other things. But this is the stuff that's known without doing anything fancy. It's out there. Now, very apropos, this segment is sponsored by ZStack, a way to get ahead of this, this virus, the next formulation of it, whatever their biolabs. And by the way, there's tons of them. There's a biolab in Kazakhstan. There's biolabs everywhere. Thank God Putin blew up seven of them in Ukraine for all of his evilness, something better than our government. But Dr. Vladimir Zelenko, one of the pioneers in COVID treatment, had we followed him, we would have had hundreds of thousands of people still alive today. Um, his Z-Stack is a specially formulated immune-boosting boost, supplement that includes the right doses of zinc, quercetin, vitamin C, vitamin D. I just took mine before the show today. Um, it is uh, GMP certified. It's made right here in the U.S. of A., Go to zstacklife.com slash Daniel. Enter promo code Daniel to get a small discount off your first order. Now more than ever, you have to take control over your health and your family's health while you still can. That's zstacklife.com slash Daniel, promo code Daniel. So anyway, aviptadil, the thing about it is it's not FDA approved, but it's been around globally for since the 1970s. It's a peptide. That's its mechanism of action. It's a very safe mechanism of action. It's been established safe. That's that's straight up. Um, but it's a little bit more than just, oh, it's approved in other countries but not in America by the FDA. It actually has what's called orphan drug designation. Okay, that's actually stronger than EUA. That's official approval but it's it's approved for very specific conditions. In other words, to go through the rigorous process of full FDA approval, it like like we've been talking about, contrary to what the pharmacies are illegally doing, then you could even use it off-label, right? You could use it for anything you want, and that's why it has to go through that robust process, because once it's out, it's out. It's just that the manufacturer, the reason you have a label is just the manufacturer can't market it for what for anything beyond that. So for example, of course, of course, any doctor could use ivermectin hydroxychloroquine. But for example, Edenbridge, the pri primary manufacturer of ivermectin in America these days, they can't put out commercials and market ivermectin for uh, COVID like they can scabies and lice and, and river blind blindness, whatever else. So in 2001, the FDA gave orphan drug designation for ARDS, acute res respiratory distress syndrome. In 2005, they gave it for pulmonary arterial hypertension and for pulmonary sarco sarcoidosis just a few months ago, actually. And again, that's, that's, these are all types of pulmonary inflammation. So the very same year that they gave orphan drug designation, it's granted for products that are intended to treat life threatening or chronically debilitating conditions affecting less than 200,000 people. So it's a small, it's targeted, but it, it is a full approval. Orphan drug approval designation for pulmonary inflammation since 2001 and one form of it just last year. ARDS. Again, COVID is its own specific animal and it has the blood clotting mixed in. But, dude, this is the closest safe, proven, and somewhat approved mechanism for, for um, pulmonary inflammation. And here we have the ultimate pulmonary inflammation that killed almost a million people. And they knew about this. And they refused to give approval. Senator Johnson writes a letter to, um, and Cruz, Cruz is on it. Chip Roy and Andy Biggs are on the letter as well. 
from the house. He writes, according to the physician, he doesn't name the physician, more than 20 patients suffering respiratory failure from COVID-19 received Zysami, that's Aviptadil, as authorized under right to try. So again, it is right to try because it's not FDA approved officially, and, and a few people have had it, but you have to beg for it and very few will give it to you. His point is, why aren't we not promoting this and at least giving it an EUA and making it available? Um, but, you know, there were a few that were given it, 20 patients. It is our understanding that patients received Zyosami after prior administration of remdesivir did not, of course, improve the patient's conditions. All the patients were at the very end stage of COVID were not expected to recover. Recover Upon receiving Zyosami, no serious adverse events associated with use were reported, and 16 of the 20 patients left the freaking hospital. Right? This is late stage. People on ventilators were turned around with, and they were turned around with ivermectin, but the belief is this is even more direct. It's directly indicated for cytokine storms, pulmonary inflammation, um... It is it is sick, and we've known this for at least a week, uh, at least a year. Um, I spoke to Doctor Flavio Cattagiani. He is the ultimate innovator in Brazil. He worked on all this stuff, and he said Avitabil is a drug that mimics uh, <clears throat> vasoactive in, intestinal polypeptides (VIPs) with prolonged effects compared to endogenous VIPs. I don't know the difference. Um, that's what he sent me. Um, VIP and avitadil act in a type of lung cell called alveolar type 2, eight, it's AT2, that although representing just a few, um, as few as 5% of the cells in the lungs, are largely responsible, the alveolar type 2, largely responsible for oxygen transfer and inhibition of dysfunctional hyperinflammatory reaction and cytokine storm through the inhibition of the activity of one of the main triggers of these reactions called NMDA-induced um, C-A-S-P-A-S-E-3. The point is, he's very familiar with exactly the way this speaks to the issue. He says, to date, there is no other molecule capable of working at late stage against COVID-19 and at the same, not causing immunosuppression. Then he also talked about, it, it blocks the IL-6, the interleukin Six, as you well know, that's the worst cytokine responsible for the inflammatory reaction. The importance is that IL-6 is the cytokine that is not effectively blocked by uh, uh, glucocorticosteroids, even in very high doses. Thus, a Viptadil VIP could confer additional protection when we most need and when we have the fewest resources for. Due to the absence of therapeutic alternatives targeting AT2 and IL-6, and given the already well-established safety profile, its approval goes beyond the attempt to try principle since it is highly plausible and likely that it works. Therefore, instead of an action of attempt to try when giving a Viptadil, not providing it not providing it when patients fail to respond to other therapies can be considered a medical negligence from a bioethical perspective. Aviptadil. There was a study published recently in India looking at the pharmacological effects of Aviptadil on COVID-19. They say all the evident data published based on clinical trials seem to be very fruitful in defining a pharmacological guidance guideline for COVID care in recent clinical trials, the overall target result is that there is a tremendous improvement in life expectancy by optimizing oxygenation and surveilling cytokine storm and COVID-19-induced respiratory failure. And again, Fauci mentioned this as a promising thing last April, never followed up on it, nothing, no no rushed, rushed trials, no anything. While Pfizer, after knowing they killed at least 1,200 people, they were able to go along with their crap that didn't work. Premeditated murder. And this is what they're doing. I want you to capture what I'm telling you and understand. Creating a crisis, self-man-made, blocking what's right to shove us into a, a harmful response. That is the modus operandi they do on every public policy issue. Never fall into the lies and the trap again. I just gave you your vaccination. You are now immunized against falling in to the next social media emotional indulgence orgy to get us to change our way of life, to change our country, our body, our economy, our physical health, our mental health. Don't fall for it ever again. I do want to have our guest on today, someone involved in the trucker convoy. 
but I want to show a parallel to this. The other drug that seemed to work late stage and had like 90% effectiveness was proxalutamide. Okay, that was an androgen blocker. That was Dr. Flavio's brainchild because he's an endocrinologist and he understood that it was the hormones, um, the hormone levels that grease the skids. It's almost like the oil of the spike, um, uh, you know, if you're in cleavage site binding to the ACE2 and the Tempers 2 was through those hormones, and, and that's why men were more vulnerable than females. Bald men were more vulnerable than anyone else. Um, women that go through that, um, I'm forgetting the medical term, you guys know what it is, where they also have like hyper testosterone levels, and you know, especially the ones that get facial hair, things like that. There are also, there were signs that they're very, very vulnerable to um, the severe cytokine storm. So he did studies, proxalutamide, and, and he's being accused of crimes against humanity. They're saying it's horrible, it's pain, it's damaging, this drug. Now, I didn't focus so much on proxalutamide because it's not available in the United States. Um, it's not FDA approved, but it is approved um, elsewhere. But there are similar androgen blockers that we should have been using early and certainly late stage. And again, I'm, I'm gonna show you how this was premeditated. Pfizer was involved. I'm going to have a piece on this. Dr. Flavio is going to get a letter published in a Euro urology journal. Um, so this is going to come out hopefully this week. It was accepted, I know. Basically, the same way Merck originally invented, actually it was Dr. Um, the Japanese doctor, um, Professor Amura, who invented it, but you know Pfizer developed the molecule and uh, developed it into a drug. Not I mean Merck in the in the seventies, ivermectin. So they squelched it because they could never make money off of an off patent drug. Okay. So they went ahead and created a new one, which wasn't even new. It was a repurposed horse drug, literally monopiravir that's dangerous and absolutely doesn't work. So similar thing, actually, again, a Japanese co company, Ozels or something, it's a Japanese company developed a molecule and Pfizer created enzalutamide, enzalutamide. It's an androgen blocker um, held by Pfizer and it's used for prostate cancer, enzalutamide. Again, the the a lot of the, prostate cancer drugs seem to have promise with some variants of COVID because of the ACE2 binding with the, you know, the different androgen levels. Okay. I mean, that's, that's about as far as I can explain, but that's all you need to know. Sweden had, the, there was this Swedish researchers did this random study a year ago that they claim they had to stop the trial on enzalutamide and COVID because it was causing harms, causing harms. It was, it was extending hospital stays, similar to the JAMA study on ivermectin. It actually showed massive decrease, massive mortality reduction, but they created this false midpoint where they started in middle and end it like right after that. And they and um, it's crazy. Um, there were zero people in the placebo and zero diabetics and eight diabetics with hypertension in the, in the enzalutamide thing. It, there's a whole bunch of things they did on that. But anyway, they sat on it, and then they, for a long time, and then more recently, they released it, maybe November, and they dumped it. It was because basically like this, Pfizer held enzalutamide, and they could have been the big heroes to ride in with a treatment, enzalutamide. But the problem with enzalutamide is that although they hold enzalutamide, proxalutamide is almost similar and it's off patent. So they could have gotten that for 11 bucks rather than $700 and Pfizer would have been at a, you know, it wouldn't have worked. But nonetheless, Pfizer did want to at least hold their cards to at least have that. They weren't sure if they'd get um, Paxlovid approved. They waited till the, right around when they knew they would get Paxlovid approved. Then they released this Swedish study, which it turns out there's this guy named Mark 
who did the analysis of that trial, he's literally a worker for Pfizer. This is all going to come out. I'm just giving you the preliminary details. Oh, and by the way, this was an open-label study, meaning it wasn't blinded. So they, it's not like you could say, okay, it happened to be all the sick people were in the paroxalutamide you know, study arm versus the placebo arm. It was open-label. They knew it. It was designed by that. Pfizer was behind it. We always knew that all the good studies that they put out and all the bad studies in our drugs are funded by Pfizer and other you know, big pharma, but this is going to be the first hardcore proof of it. They waited a year later until they were safe in knowing they would have a more expensive option and then put out something dissing their um, prostate cancer drug, which should work against and does work against COVID. But because of proxalutamide, which um, Dr. Flavio really you know, pioneered that research, they, they couldn't allow that. So proxalutamide, avipdadil, almost nobody had to die from COVID, especially in the Delta wave. By the way, one more thing. Um, it turned, I spoke to Dr. Flavio, it turns out, do you know, so he did, he was co-authored the largest ivermectin study. Over 150,000 people showed, you know, 60% decrease in, in mortality as a prophylaxic um, with no other treatment. Um, and certainly with other treatment, it gets up to close to 100%. And, um, Basically, they're the only study for COVID that has all of their sub data set for 150,000 people published online. Anyone could go and look at it and and you know ask questions, proving consistencies in the data. Not a single person has done that. He got it published in um, Curious. It's it's based in San Francisco. It's not like a high impact, but it's not a nothing journal. They told Flavio, you better not submit anything to us. You're banned for life from ever submitting anything on anything. In order to do that to a scientist, it usually you have to show malfeasance. They literally like fabricated data or something. What's clear is that someone threatened Curious. This is how sick it is. I'm just giving you, you're not going to hear this information anywhere else. I'm giving you just a, a snippet of the premeditated murder of big pharma working with big tech, big academic journals, NIH, FDA, and the rest of our government to commit genocide, to shove on us stuff that they know is dangerous, dangerous mechanisms and don't work, while blocking even just the ability to make available and have doctors not get punished for prescribing safe, life-saving drugs. Now you understand why any conservative who says, oh, you're a Putin puppet, if you don't do what I say in my way to go and die on the sword for Ukraine in this way at this time, you're a dirtbag. Now you understand why, well, you're a dirtbag. If you don't focus on the genocide that's taking place right here, much less downright supporting these policies, which a lot of these conservative talkers indeed do support. And continue to support despite all of this information on the shots coming out. So that's what's going on with the premeditated genocide. But I want to continue this discussion with how do we keep this in the news with what's going on? How do we continue keeping this in the news? Well, thankfully, we do have a movement and we have a special guest to talk about this movement. So, folks, one of the things I feel terrible about, and I, my heart goes out to these truckers, that they put in tons of money. I mean, you can imagine with the price of fuel these days, diesel, it's insane. Put in this effort to lay, on, lay themselves on the line for so many people that, frankly, don't care when we have our military veterans, uh, not veterans, our active duty being kicked out of the military for an expired shot that's dangerous and doesn't work. Healthcare workers, people being denied kidney transplants, masks still on the plane, emergency power still there. It's all there. It's all there. And the entirety of both political parties and their respective failed movements refuse to draw attention to this. We thought we'd gain it, you know, a lot of traction after Ottawa and everything. And then, of course, this insane Ukraine thing, which is just criminal, taking away attention from this. But I felt bad myself I wasn't covering it. 
the convoy right now is in Hagerstown, Maryland, right in my stomping grounds. And I was like, man, uh, it's it's pathetic. I haven't covered this. They've been going around the Washington Beltway as as uh, you know, kind of a protest. They're staged in Hagerstown. What is going on? Where is this headed? It's a big movement. What could we do with it? How do we use it to draw attention? What's it about? Who are these people? Well, you know, we're going to meet an average person, you know, regular trucker, small business owner, classic American crust of the earth man, Jeremy Moser. Uh, he's one of the organizers of the convoy. He's from Oil City, Pennsylvania, there in the Northwest. Um, He's uh, he's been at the convoy in Hagerstown. He actually went all the way to California to start, and all the way back to the east where where he lives. He's a small fleet motor carrier with five current drivers, so he's a small trucking business, very much harmed by everything that our government has done with supply chains, vax mandates, um, and now and now the backwards Ukraine Russia policies and energy policies. Uh, he's got a wife and three kids back there in Pennsylvania. Um, and he's been with the People's Convoy since the beginning. I want you guys, you know, because this is very expensive for people like this. If you can go to his Give, Send, Go page, Moser Family Logistics Services, Inc., just type that into Give, Send, Go. You'll see Jeremy's uh, Give, Send, Go there, and please donate generously so people like him could continue to draw attention to an issue that all of the elites in both parties, as well as phony conservatives, don't care about. Jeremy, thanks so much for joining us today on such short notice. Oh, Daniel, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I appreciate your time. I appreciate the opportunity to to talk to your your audience. Awesome. No, this is this is great. Um, let's let's start from the beginning. Why truckers? Why why is how how did this entire thing go on for two years with very flaccid opposition and protests? You'd think we would have had a revolution, you know, March, April, twenty twenty. But why why did it take truckers? Well, I'm going to say this right off the top. Um, I don't think there's anyone in this country that knows this country better than truckers. We see every social strata, financial strata, every type of community because we deliver to them. We deal with these people regularly. We see the impact of bureaucracy. We see the impact of um, mandate on the people as a whole, not any one subset. So it only makes sense that, you know, truckers, because the role we play in the transportation system, I mean, at the end of the day, we all know if you got it at your house, you got it at your grocery store, a truck got it there. We touch pretty much everything that comes into this country and it rides on the back of the American truck driver. Mm. So. So while while everyone else just thinks it kind of grows on the shelves in the in the food store or wherever else, any store, whatever the product is, you guys could see vividly the damage um, from you know all the lockdown policies and you know kicking out workers. Uh, so so this is why they rose up. What sort of effect are, do you think you're having? What's what's your goal? Give us a little bit of a state of play with the convoy right now and where you think this is headed? Well, I can tell you right now, um, there are current members of the convoy sitting in Washington, D.C., meeting with Ron Johnson and Ted Cruz, discussing our overall agenda, discussing the issues, discussing um, in a diplomatic manner, you know, what we're trying to achieve. I can tell you, having driven from California all the way to Hagerstown at the front of the convoy. Essentially, I was an escort vehicle um, for the semis and for the entire for the entire length of the convoy. And seeing the people come out in every race, color, creed, religion, sexual identity, um, neither right nor left, on the overpasses, on the shoulders, in the medians, the flags flying and People have had enough. I mean, we've seen millions of people in the 2,550 miles across this country from Adelanto, California to Hagerstown that have shown up. Doctors, lawyers, nurses, school teachers, regular Joes, regular blue collar workers, people who've lost jobs, been impacted 
horribly by um, these mandates and by this pandemic. So where do you think you're going to take this? You know, people we thought were fed up, but now they strategically let the air out of the balloon, but in a very superficial way to give people the impression, oh, yeah, don't worry, the COVID stuff is over. And now it's Ukraine all the time. And now it's not just a distraction, but, you know, the energy prices are insane because of the, you know, backwards policies that our government's cutting off Russian oil, but not ramping up ours and sucking us into Mm -hmm. this war. So how do you get people's attention? What do you guys hope to accomplish now? Well, I mean, at this juncture, one of our main objects and ob- objectives is to push our government to remove the Emergency Powers Act, to strip that power from them so they no longer have the ability to make ma- blanket mandates like this without legislative oversight, number one. Um, we're looking for accountability for the people who are responsible for some of the planning of this pandemic and the way it was handled, um, the disparity between the rich and the poor and the middle class. I mean, I'm sorry. When you allow Walmart and Target to stay open and shut down the mom and pops and you force all of that revenue into, you know, large corporate interests <laughs> to destroy the middle class and the, and, and the common man, the ones that actually support this country, that pay the majority of the taxes in this country, um, yeah, that's a real problem. So accountability, uh, you know, we're, we're blessed to have some great doctors and stuff with us that are trying to enlighten, um, the people on effective medications that have been squashed because there's no profit for large pharmaceutical companies in it. Um, and you know, the pushing of this narrative of a vaccine that in reality hasn't been effective for anything short of maybe the original, um, the original, uh, COVID-19, not the variants. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of people from a lot of different places. There's a lot, there's a lot of agenda items, a lot to get done, but my question to you strategically, just, you know, the average Mm -hmm. person, people are asking me, "Ah, I haven't heard much of the convoy. Obviously in, in, Ottawa, we understand what they're trying to accomplish because that really forced an issue, had mixed degree of success. Um, To the extent it had less success was just because, uh, you know, Canada is even more autocratic than 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 our government is. Um, Whereas this, they've taken the opposite approach. They figured, you know, we're just going to starve it of oxygen. So the media doesn't report on it outside of like local media. National media is making sure no one has heard about it. So they're trying to skate by and and ignore you past the omnibus Mm -hmm. with all the bad provisions and funding and and no reforms. And uh, do you guys have any plan on taking this to the next level? And and is there anything people could do to, to help this, you know, in a lawful manner, you know, force the issue? Well, ideally, I mean, we're trying to do things lawfully. We're not trying to, we're not trying to hurt the American people because I can assure you, you know, calling for national strikes and those types of things, those types of things will hurt the people. And that's the last thing we want to do. Um, we're trying to hold our government accountable. And I can tell you right now, um, yeah, the mainstream media has done a great job of keeping things quiet or naysaying or saying we're fringe or small. I'd encourage everyone to just go on Google, even though I'm not a fond of Google, but type in hashtag the people's convoy and have fun scrolling for about the next 10 hours in information and photos and videos and independent media sources who have been blasting this out everywhere. Um, And I would also encourage each and every person who's freedom minded, who just wants their God given rights back. You know, we don't live under a system of our rights or privileges. We live under a system of our rights are God-given. Get involved at your state and your local levels. Talk to your mayors. Show them what is going on. Talk to your local reps and your local senators, the people that that are accountable directly to you. Create freedom movements in and around yourselves because that's where this ultimately is going to have to go. Um, Do you you see this going, the the convoys – perhaps going to places like Austin and Oklahoma city where you have red state governments that, you know, claim to have been opposed to the mandates, but there's still a lot of problems, people being fired from their jobs in red states, just like blue states. 
um, not accountability, no ability for doctors to prescribe and not get punished. Um, a lot of these grievances are still true in red states. Do you see mm-hmm. that even if we fail with the omnibus bill here, is there an effort to focus the concentration on some of these phony governors that straddle straddle both sides to kind of say, hey, look, if you're really with us, here's what you should be doing. Call a special session of the legislature. Deal with this. Do you think there could be a future in sending the convoys rather to Washington, but to some of the state capitals? Uh, I mean, I can't say for sure whether that'll happen, but I can tell you this. There's a reason this is called the people's convoy, because it's not just about truck drivers. This is about the average American citizen. We just happen to be some hardcore, bold people, truck drivers in general terms. We, we don't like seeing our freedom stripped. You know, we went from heroes to zeros overnight when we were asked to toe the line during the pandemic initially. That doesn't sit well with a lot of us because a lot of us really killed ourselves to make sure the country still stayed, stayed supplied. Yep. Um, this is a people's movement. Uh, it, it needs to be the people themselves need to be the ones getting involved. And you know what? If you want to create convoys that are peaceful, that are about change and about freedom, by all means, create car fleets, RVs, get some semis, go to your state capitals, make your presence known. I mean, the only way our legislative body is going to know that the people are truly tired of this is when the people as a whole choose to stand up. You know, you can have a thousand vehicles in a convoy that's circling DC right now as we speak. There are hundreds and hundreds of semis, hundreds of cars and RVs. There's well over a thousand vehicles currently right now as we speak circling the beltway, letting their presence be known while our folks are sitting in Washington speaking with legislators. Everyone needs to do their part here. It can't be on the back of just one group of Americans. It has to be on the back of freedom-loving, freedom-minded people who just want restoration of our constitutional God-given rights. Yep, and this is at the peoplesconvoy.org. You could join. Um, there are more uh, convoys from the South joined at Hagerstown uh, yesterday. Yep. Um, and I understand that obviously you guys don't want to disclose some of the future plans because it is very fluid and you know you got to yes. be very nimble and see what works at the time because mm-hmm. uh, also you have the sensibilities of the feds. Have you noticed any issue with feds trying to – you know publicly they're ignoring it, but are they mm-hmm. aware of your presence? Have you noticed them? Um, oh, yeah. They're more than aware of our presence. Um, the National Guard has been – uh, fueling daily, uh, not six miles away from where we're currently parked. Um, there's been helicopters, helicopter flyovers. There's been people on ground that are most certainly feds, whether they say they are or not. They're absolutely aware of our presence. The administration is absolutely aware of our presence. Um, personal observation, personal opinion, you know, I personally think this administration is scared to death because there has not been a movement like this in a long, long time of the people rising and standing and they don't know how to deal with it. They're not ahead of us. They're behind us. Um, I have a great little anecdote, uh, that kind of tells the story of what's been going on with the convoy. And it can be summed up pretty simply. Uh, while we were in big cabin, Oklahoma, a young man came up to us, uh, and went up to our lead semi driver and, handed him a folded flag. That folded flag belonged to his grandfather. His grandmother wanted that flag flown at the front of the convoy. It was the casket flag of her husband who lost his life in World War II. Flag is roughly six by eight, 48 stars. Everyone tried to talk her out of it because they knew how precious this thing was. It was going to get tattered. It was going to get torn. You know, the elements, the wind, it was going to destroy this flag. And this woman's words after everyone trying to dissuade her was, this is what my husband would want because this is the first thing I've seen in 70 years that represents freedom. Hmm. And that flag is tattered and torn. Wow. That flag is tattered. It's torn. 
And when it goes back to the woman who sent it to us, it's going to go back tattered and torn just as our constitutional rights are being tattered and torn. And that was her only request that that flag be returned in whatever state it was when it was done. Wow. I mean, it, it de- demonstrates the gulf, the dichotomy between the values, the sensibilities, the sensitivities, the priorities of ordinary Americans and the elites. And the elites, again, they span both parties, both so-called political mm-hmm. movements. Conservative talkers are are just as behind the eight ball on this as as the left. Um it's that's what it is. I mean, this is the divide in the country. And the question is, how do you unite those elements against the system, um, which has a fake divide called Republicans and Democrats, but they're the same thing mm-hmm. versus people that actually believe in, in, in true values. It's so it's certainly a touching story. And I hope you could uh, send us some pictures of that, you know, and we could we could put that up um, on oh, our social here uh, before you go. Just if you can give a sense of so you're not just a trucker you know, who's in the convoy, but you actually have a small trucking business. How has your yes. business been affected the last two years, both with the mm-hmm. pandemic, the response to it, and then now the the contrived energy crisis? Well, I can tell you from a business standpoint, um, it's been the last two years. So at the first part of the pandemic, we were asked, we were begged by the government to step up, to be the heroes that we were told we were. Um, they did away with most of the regulations on driving, uh, hours of service. And I know most of us worked five times harder than we normally do. I mean, I personally ran 50, between 52 and 56,000 miles over a two month period, which is insane amounts of work. You know, it's three, four, five hours a day sleep at best just to make sure that toilet paper, cleaning products, food, things stayed on shelves, even if they were being rationed. Um, and the drivers did it willingly because we love our country. We love the people here. You know, it's our own kind of service as you will, but especially over this last year with the drastic changes in inflation and policy, I mean, fuel costs costs are going up exponentially. Um, I happen to live in a state that has the third highest fuel tax in the country, Pennsylvania. I mean, we're at five plus dollars a gallon for diesel now. Um, Rates are not matching the inflation or the fuel costs. And I mean, it's a very real stress on small independent companies because we're competing against multi-billion dollar corporations that have unlimited funds and assets and can pretty much do and write the laws that they're paying into bureaucratic pockets themselves. And then it's all tailored to remove us. I can tell you on a personal level now, and it's something I'm currently dealing with and we haven't discussed this, but I'll go ahead and go into it brief, briefly with you. Due to my participation in the convoy, me and several others um, were personally doxxed. Uh, we rely on things called, um, a lot of us rely on things called factoring companies factoring company basically is a place where we can send our bills for loads that we've pulled and rate confirmations. These companies take a small percentage and they pay us next day instead of having to wait 30 to 90 days for a broker to pay us. Um, I personally lost my factoring uh, company while I was involved with the convoy. They used a contrived story, combated the story with, uh, the right response and the response was still negative that they were letting me go. And it, I'm not the only one. There's several from wow. that are dealing with this right now. There are individuals who've lost their company leases, trucking leases. Um, many of the drivers that are in this convoy right now are personally being attacked by big corporate interests. Yep trying to yep. dox and cancel classic American fascism. Unlike Canada, we're not going to have the government directly do it yet, but they'll get their cronies. Yes. This is, this is the game we've been seeing. And this is why we don't see people protesting. Um, I mean, my heart goes out to you and everyone else doing this. We got to keep this moving alive. 
truckers, yeah. independent doctors coming together. I think these are two good movements. We talked yesterday about the yes. independent doctor movement. And I think this is how we come to this independence from the Republican Democrat morass. Keep it local and, and when we can uh, keep it focused on on real people, real stories. Yep. Uh, this is this is what it's all about. Keep us updated on the convoy as things go on. And and again, how could people help both you and the, and the broader effort? Okay, well, if you want to help the convoy as a whole, uh, the best place for any kind of donations is thepeoplesconvoy.org. There are links. Um, financial help is going to be probably the most important thing. I mean, we've got 15 trailers full of food supplies that have been donated, which is more than we'll ever be able to use. Wow. Um, so a lot of that wound up being donated to the homeless and however we can pass that on as, you know, to take care of America. Me personally, I do have the give, send, go. I do need to kind of change the wording of it though, because at this juncture, while I'm sitting waiting for um, new factoring, which is a process, uh, you know, we're basically just bleeding what equity we have. Yeah. So, with so with you, it's it's in. not so much the cost of being in the convoy; it's the political, no. the political cost that you it's are attacked. And, and again, yes. you know, we complain, and I complain myself. Why aren't people standing up? Well, this is the country we now live in. You don't. You're. Yep. We're not yet at the point you get thrown in jail for saying things. Although, you know, you're almost um, there. And in some places, with January six, we were there. Um, but, but this is how they do it backhandedly. And, you know, we got to be willing to supply the people that are willing to to, to do that for us. Uh, Jeremy, my heart goes out to you, all the truckers. Good luck. And, and folks, we are way out of time here. But again, this was a premeditated plan with this entire thing. It's still going on. Don't lose focus. Let's stay in the fight till tomorrow. God bless you all. And thank you for listening. 